So, of course, no one circles OTAs on their calendar compared to the draft or free agency, or training camp, or, of course, week one. But I got to tell you, there's always a sneaky excitement that comes up late May and early June because after four long months without Patriots football, here we are. Players on the field, coaches running drills, press conferences, new guys from free agency. The rookies are fitting in. We have a first-team offense. We got a second-team defense. The new coaches are their scheme changes. Mac Jones. Wondering about this year two leap we've been talking about forever. Is his arm a little bit stronger? How's Bill Belichick working with the offense? What about these new weapons? Defensively, Malcolm Butler, welcome back. How does he look? Can he still run? All of these questions we think we're going to get answers to. And you know what we've learned through two OTA practices? I don't know. <laughs> I've written up oh, almost 3,000 words on the two practices that media have been allowed to access in Foxborough. And the thing that we always say every year, at least on our end, is keep everything in context. Take it with a grain of salt. Don't put a whole lot of stock into it. And I'm going to write up everything I see because there's, there's a thirst for it and, and knowledge and information is good. But I know as much as I give that caveat of just this isn't meaningful because even in the last practice, offensive and defense didn't go against each other. Not, not per second, not one-on-ones, not seven-on-sevens, not 11-on-elevens. In that practice and any other, there are no pads. There's no contact. Not even all the players are here. Not Judon has missed both practices. Isaiah went too. Adrian Phillips sat out the first one. You're going to do it anyway because we have been starved without football for four months. And to be honest, I want to dive into these two and give you some serious takeaways as opposed to what are going to be some very soft OTA observations. So instead of telling you, take it with a grain of salt or don't put a whole lot of stock into this, I'm just going to put this in an analogy and then get to what you want to hear. Imagine first two things. Whatever company you work for has unlimited PTO. Second, that company, every June, things are died down a little bit calmer, has a getaway. It's okay. It's a little bit fun. It's good to see everyone within the company, especially coming off the pandemic. You review all the basics, what the structure is like of your team, the company philosophy, a bunch of boring lectures. You do all your HR trainings, okay, how to avoid phishing scams, bad emails, sexual harassment, all this different stuff. So when June rolls around and you want to take vacation, technically you can because of unlimited PTO, but you know, 80 to 90% of the company is always going to go to this retreat. Do you actually take it and kind of look like a dick because that's the whole trap of unlimited PTO? Or do you go because it's still a getaway and it's not that bad and you're going to go over basics that maybe, hey, if your contract is coming up, everyone notices you're not there, it could become a bigger deal. Or maybe you just really want to get better because it's your first or second year at that company even though you really don't need to know how to avoid fake emails that are asking for your social when they get passed around the office. That's all OTAs are, okay? Like Matt Judon doesn't need to know how to run the edge, okay? Or work on his hand placement. Isaiah Wynn, you know, could go either way. But for most of these players, they don't need OTAs. So what I would say to you is, if someone was walking in or asking how your company was for that getaway, that week, and what it's actually like, whether you're in sales or whatever you're doing, that's not really representative of what the rest of the year is going to be like, right? Not everyone's there. You're going over basic stuff, stuff that every other company within your industry is doing. The Patriots are doing the same thing. These are drills everyone else is doing with their guard down. So if you really want to know what your workplace is looking like, obviously, you're going to wait until things are operating with everyone on board, everyone available, and doing what they're going to be doing in much more specialized fashion when you don't have the option to just go, you know, I'd really like to go to Europe because it's June and I don't need any of this crap. That's this is what OTAs are. That being said, I'm going to give you what you want. And after that, we're going to have a long talk with Fitzy with one of my favorite offseason exercises. It's, it's a good look to kind of look at the roster of any team. I did this when I used to cover Penn State. 
it's I call it a scrimmage draft, the scrimmage snake draft. So where you and everybody are sitting down, you've got the Patriots roster listed between you, and you're trying to pick your own teams, one pick after another. Fitzy went first at the first pick, then I got two. We went two from there on out. And you're building your own teams as if they're going to scrimmage against each other. You've got 28 players. I posted on Twitter. You'll see the list and you'll listen to us who had the better team at the end. You can decide. But it's interesting to think about because it's not just a list of the best players. If you're building out your team, you need to know where the drop-off is. I mentioned Judon. Not a lot of edge guys that scare you after him. Josh Uche, we're still kind of waiting for that breakout, but are you going to count on that if you're building your own team? So he and I go back and forth, get a lot of good insight and some conversation about some rookies as well as some veterans um, with some things I've heard. Okay, no further delay. No more cliches. No more analogies. Takeaway number one from OTAs. Practice and they have to be seen. Bill Belichick is working a lot with the offense. I don't know how long this is going to last. I think really what's probably happening is they're easing Matt Patricia and Joe Judge into their new roles, kind of weaning them onto running the offense because takeaway number two, the theory that Joe Judge and Matt Patricia are going to take over for Josh McDaniels is really gaining some steam. And this has been thrown out now for weeks, but the idea that Joe Judge could be their passing game coordinator and Matt Patricia, their run game coordinator, is set up you see a lot in college, it is really true because in the time that they spent apart you'll see Matt Patricia often with the offensive line and the running backs and Joe judge coaching up as he has some of the skill position players, non-running backs, wideouts and tight ends along with the quarterbacks. So their respective positions are going to be for Joe judge quarterbacks, coach Matt Patricia offensive line. But I think really because Nick Cayley's still with the tight ends, that's going to be the setup as far as we've seen. We don't know if it'll be true, but a lot of time with Bill Belichick for the offense and the way they've divided their labor so far, Joe judge is spending a lot of time with the passing game and not so much with the running game, where pretty much Matt Patricia has been exclusively. Third, this is something I heard about a month ago, and it makes a lot of sense, not based so much on what we've seen, but as far as you think about that transition from Josh McDaniels, who has expanded this offense from Charlie Weiss and different iterations, and then it goes to Bill O'Brien and Josh McDaniels takes it back. I think things are going to be simpler for the Patriots this offseason. And I, I didn't raise it a month ago because, again, reporting comes from you hear something from one source, you want to confirm it independently with another person. But it's simpler in the idea that the Patriots are known for their opt rounds more than any other offense in the league. And I think at some point, there's kind of a mental burden that forces you to slow down physically, which is why you don't see receivers really thrive here in year one. I think that's going to be to their benefit here, where they're going to have fewer concepts that they rely on, get good at what they're good at, as opposed to being okay at everything, and try to trot out whatever's going to be best against that defense in a particular week. They might be a little bit more predictable, but the trade-off is we're going to be better at the things you might know are coming, and that way you can't stop it anyway, which is how some offenses operate anyway. Now, does that mean they're going to this Shanahan running style offense that a lot of people have talked about watching at OTAs? Again, we want to just seize onto these just, you know, not grains of truth, but these huge takeaways. No, the Patriots are very well aware what they're exposing the media to in practice. It's why the last practice was 65 minutes and almost a quarter of that was just sprints. Like we, we saw nothing of significance. But that could be an example. We talk about the passing game going from pure option routes, where the running game is more outside zone. They've run outside zone before. It was one day. Wait until we get to training camp for any other proclamations about that. But I think the offense is going to be a little bit simpler this year. Uh, four, I mentioned no Judon or win. Isaiah wins a little bit more interesting. Contract year. He's someone that's been floated in some trade rumors. I put, wouldn't put a lot of stock into that either. But it's something to keep an eye on because Matt Judon is expected to take on a little bit more of a leadership role. And all the old heads, James White, Devin McCourty, David Andrews, of course, Matthew Slater, they're here. He's not. Uh, number five, Malcolm Butler looks like Malcolm Butler. And that's not my takeaway. That's out of the words and mouths of Bill Belichick and Jonathan Jones 
and we'll see again when the pads come on. But as far as a guy who took a year off, is 32, he can still run, and he's still fighting for the ball when it's up in the air. Long way to go. But he and Terrence Mitchell were leading the corners the first practice we saw, which tells you at least the coaching staff believes in them as much as they do Jalen Mills. So last one, Mac Jones. Uh, the surest thing you can say about him right now, and I think this even goes back to his last, his last press conference of the 2021 season, he knows this is his team now, and he's excited for that. There are a couple of clips that have gone around about him working with Nelson Aguilar or even Devontae Parker about how he wants to run their route specifically, again, when they're throwing one on zero in OTAs. Those are the kind of things that, no comparison here, but Brady used to do when he was here because he had ownership. He knew this was his team, his offense to be run exactly how he wants it. Mac Jones has been much more vocal this time around, as he should. There's no longer any quarterback competition with Cam Newton. It's his offense. It's his show. And he's being very specific about how he wants it run. And look, you're going to hear good things about a second-year quarterback pretty much anywhere in the NFL. He's working hard. He should be a captain, all this. Mac Jones has been living that, you know, walking the walk, as it were, as much as you can walk and not really run here in May and June. But good signs for the Patriots, and I think that's why he's excited. I think they're excited about him, that if he can take over and paper over a lot of the holes that we see on offense, when we just look at the depth chart, that's where they might elevate and go above expectation. But again, might, could, we'll see. No pads, no contact. It's just OTAs. So again, hold on to those if you want. Six OTA observations for you. And now a long conversation with Fitzy, who's great. You heard him on EEI, seen him on NBC Sports Boston, at Fitzy, G-F-Y on Twitter. He's going to be back. This is a great time. And think about how you would draft your own team. Mac Jones, he's going to be automatic QB as we declared. Everything else after that is up for grabs. And this is how we had our 2022 Patriots scrimmage draft. Now, one last word from our friends at Bet Online AG, which you know you've heard me talk about them plenty before. Celtics are in the finals. I've been telling you, look, I can only say it so many times. You're leaving money on the table if you believe in the Celtics, and especially if you think they're going to take down the Warriors, which I think they were plus 140 last time I checked. And our partners at Bet Online AG continue to be the number one sports where it's NBA Finals, MLB, or NHL playoffs still going on. All your betting needs and sports information. Find all the updated odds on those playoffs, fights upcoming, and even next season futures for the NFL. BetOnline is your continued source for all wagering needs, and you can play your favorite Vegas casino and poker games at BetOnline AG. Super easy to get started. Promo code CLNS50 for your 50% off welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. The People's Fan, Fitzy, a.k.a. Nick Stevens, a.k.a. Fitzy from EEI, NBC Sports Boston. I mean, you're, you're all over the place. I feel like if I went through all of those uh, iterations and places you've been, we would lose half the pod. First of all, I am pumped to have you here. This is an idea that I have not waited to get to since I started the pod, um, but I'll let you roll on first. Where can the people find you? And thank you for coming on. Uh, dude, it's my absolute pleasure. I love being the mirror image of you as we both salute <laughs> and pay tribute to our favorite brewery, Vitamin C on the South Shore, Weymouth Strong. Of course, I'm originally from Braintree. We like to call Braintree Weymouth with dreams. Yeah. Uh, the people can find me, uh, WEI, Fitzy and Hart on Saturdays, uh, the newly launched Six Rings and Football Things podcast, and of course, across all of your socials, the TikTok, Facebook, InstaFace, et cetera, at Fitzy GFY. I'm psyched uh, to be a guest on your podcast. Um, I'm hoping to give you a performance, uh, you know, that has all the energy in all three phases. Uh, nobody <laughs> works harder on the pod than Fitzy does. And also kudos to you for the daunting challenge of, in the vast sea of too many football podcasts, let alone now, the growing 
wave of Patriots podcasts actually coming up with a clever Patriots podcast title. Thank you. I got to tell you, that took all of going to Wikipedia and searching football terms, which really <laughs> after four years in the beat covering football since 2015, including college, I should have had off the top of my head. But it, I was stunned to find out Pat's interference was still out there with one exception. There was some guy who stopped in 2019 covering Alabama, who, you know, was dealing with that same Nick Saban energy right. from Belichick. It was Pat apostrophe S interference. So Pat's interference uh. talking football. Thank God he gave up and thank God for that apostrophe. Otherwise we're not here and we're not going to have our scrimmage draft. So I mentioned this in the intro. I'll reiterate it now. It works like this. Um, Bill Belichick has gifted Fitzy and I a chance to run one practice in training camp in July. That practice is a scrimmage. He's on one sideline. I'm on the other. We are now picking teams like we're playing in the backyard and we're playing in the backyard just as like you would have done back in the day when you had one friend who could really throw a forward pass. So he's automatic quarterback. Our friend in this case is Mac Jones. So Mac Jones is off the board. But from here on out, we are going to make 28 picks, 11 players to start on offense, 11 on defense, and then six backups wherever we want them. Fitzy will go first. I'll make the next two picks in kind of a snake draft format. Then Fitzy gets two. I get two. And we go all the way till we get 28. Um, when I texted you about this the other day, you seemed pumped about the idea. Were there any lingering thoughts you had after that when we started? We stopped texting and then we had 48 hours until we're starting here now. The one sigh of relief I have is that we both get the AQB automatic quarterback and Mac yes. Jones, because I would have fought you tooth and nail hammer and tong for it. And not just because I'm a Mac Jones Stan uh, that, you know, I sell merchandise on my website with but Mac Jones' yeah. name on it, but I, but yeah, I am too. Yeah. And I, you know, they call me the Foxborough fanboy. Um, I'm a complete Patriots apologist and, and live my life as obtusely Belichickian as the organization themselves. But I just want to put it on the record. I take tons of guff for it at the radio station on my socials, on the pod with Andy Hart, the notoriously grumpy little stubby son of a gun that he is. Uh, it's okay. He, he's not listening anyway. Um, I'm in for Mac Jones big season two. I'm year. I am all about year two Mac Jones. I know people like previous guests, Christian Fourier have said they could see regression because nobody likes this. We work group think hive mind offensive alignment and coaching stratum that they have going on with Patricia and judge. And what is Nick Cayley doing to me? It says, we trust you, Mac Jones. You are so much further along than any other second-year quarterback. We would possibly trust the franchise and or give the keys to the brand-new Cadillac that is this Patriots 3.0 under Bill Belichick that I'm here for it. I know Peter Schrager was mocked right off the NFL Network when he said Mac Jones was his dark horse candidate for MVP this season. Wow. I want to let you know I am here for it. It is officially Mac Jones SZN, as the kids like to say. Mac Jones season. <laughs> Well done. Nailed the landing there. And uh, good. So that's all our Mac Jones talk. Cause as I mentioned, yeah. we're not, we're not going to pick him. We got to keep this rolling. Yep. And uh, that, wow. MVP. I'm going to stick with that though. I'm going to bring that up in about 20 minutes and just say Peter Schreiger. And when, when I do that, you'll know I'm going back to this moment, just shaking my head over that. MVP. Here for it. But Hey, that's what June is for. Am I right? All the hope in the world, all 32 teams. Yes. Even Jacksonville. Um, and we're moving on. All right. So you have the first pick. We are filling out the roster. Things to keep in mind. This is not a list of the best players for the folks at home. Okay. We're taking into account positional scarcity, positional value. Like Matt Judon is probably the best player in the board. He's playing outside linebacker. But if you really like Ronnie Perkins or Josh Uche, maybe you don't take him. You know, there are drop-offs at certain positions and others that are a little bit deeper. So with all that in mind, the number one overall pick, the Fitzy Patriots select. 
I know what my heart wants to do, but sometimes the mind has to step in and take over for the heart as it wanders and does dastardly things. Uh, even though there's a risk that he might actually get traded, there's also a chance he could lead the AFC in touchdowns as he finished second last year with 14 on the ground. And though the Patriots drafted two running backs who could potentially supplant or replace him next season, Pierre Strong, love you. Kevin Harris, looks like you are the clone that grew right beside his bed. And Ramondre Stevenson is going to have a major impact. But give me Damian Harris running back out of the University of Alabama. Roll Pats with the first overall pick in the Pats interference draft. That is a stunner because I got to tell you, I organized my players into tiers. Damian Harris, with all due respect to your scouting department, the way you put together your own big board, was in tier three for me. Ooh, and wow. this, came, this came down to a couple of things, one of which I'll hit on quickly, and I'm probably going to say throughout the summer. You organized tiers, and I produced them, so that's fine. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. So I just think Ramondre Stevenson towards the end of last year sure showed a little bit of a kind of a wiggle. Like, he was always very light in his feet. We saw that in training mm-hmm. camp. A kind of ability to break tackles we haven't seen from Damian Harris, who's a very good running back, a little bit more straight line, and yes, he's going to run over you. But the injury history there scares me a little bit. And I think there's a chance we see Ramondre Stevenson lead the team in rushing. But that, of course, includes an injury for Damian Harris, who right now, with your number one overall pick, I think there's no question the best football is ahead of him. And I think we have a physical identity established with the Fitz and Patriots that I'm going to have to match. And I mentioned him off the top. Uh, with a second overall pick, I'm taking Matt Judon as my outside linebacker as I put him down here. Uh, this comes down to, I think he's the best player on the team. Am I worried he's not at OTAs right now? a little bit and we've only I'm not seen- at all no, not at all okay. not in the least bit he deserves it after getting COVID being the assistant general manager in the offseason trying to recruit everyone literally under the sun including the two of us to come play for the Patriots this past offseason and, and no he ran himself into the ground by trying to do too much last year he tried to hit if you will the football equivalent of a seven run grand slam every time mm-hmm. he rushed the passer then you factor in the COVID the exhaustion and the, and the way that the team played in December in the playoffs like if anyone has deserved an extra my tie and feet up in the sun until it really counts. It's Matt Judon. I love the pick. I uh, thank you. And yes, I think as far as the off season goes, my only thing is if there's 85% attendance and a lot of this circles back to, we just got our butts kicked in the best offensive performance in NFL history in Buffalo in that wildcard game, not to bring this up within the first 10 minutes of us recording. Um, I would think he'd want to be there to kind of rectify things when overall the talent has gone down. Now that doesn't mean he hasn't been, to all the OTAs, just the two the reporters have seen, and we'll definitely see him for minicamp on June 7th. But for a leader, a guy who established himself, you know, Adrian Phillips came back for that second one. Devin McCourty has been around. Um, but moving to the offensive side, another position that I think there's a drop-off from the top guy, and it'll depend on the backup here, Hunter Henry, tight end out of Ooh. Arkansas. My Ooh. third overall pick, and I know <clears throat> this, is a, this is a blow to you, uh, Hunter Henry did exactly as he, as he was expected last year. I think he's going to control the middle of the field. He's a guy Mac Jones clearly trusts. They're next door neighbors. And he's in the prime of his career, too. This is a guy that can be a foundational piece for my offense. Yeah, Bill Belichick loved him. He followed him in the Chargers. He followed him way back in high school when he played for the name of the coach that I forget who never punted. Kevin in high Kelly, school. yep. Kevin Kelly, thank you. Right, always, if anything, default to alliteration. He, was, <laughs> he had a rock-solid season last year. The thing is, 
We have come to define the tight end position by two people who wore the same number, Gronk, the greatest tight end to ever lace him up for the Patriots or in the National Football League, and then, of course, Ben Coates as well. So just because you don't put up Coatesian or Gronk-like numbers doesn't mean you haven't had a badass or highly effective season. You pointed out that he and Mac are besties and their families hang out all the time. And, it, it, you know, to, to me, he is the well-made turkey club at the diner you go to when you got a hangover on Saturday. He's chicken parm on Friday night, like rock steady, Freddie. You love it. You know exactly what you're getting. And if the Patriots get out into space, if they change the offense, if they run a little more zone stretch and it resembles less of the power gap and more Shanahanian, if you will, this year, there's going to be a lot of field, I think, available for potentially John o. Smith should he actually catch passes this year as opposed to bump them into the hands of the other team and Hunter Henry as well. So you have a very dependable team right out of the gate on both sides of the ball. Yeah, we're rock solid. Uh, your hangover meal go to real quick. Is it the Turkey Club? Mine would be the very juicy, greasy cheeseburger I can find. Friendly's if I if I can. Get. Oh my god, oh, Friendly's patty melt could be the unsung goat of all franchisee restaurant food. Uh, you could also give me a burger at the ninety nine as well. My hangover recipe go to. Yeah. Uh, it's a ice cold can of Coke and an everything bagel with cream cheese, tomato, lettuce, and bacon. Wow, dark room, no kids too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right as if i've got as if i've like i've got an emotional migraine as well exactly yeah yeah excellent yeah. all right you have the fourth and fifth uh fifth picks here time to rebound who are you putting around damian harris uh i'm going to give him my pick for breakout new england patriots second year 2022 uh some people say he was born to play some people sing he was born this way he goes by born Polly. give me the electricity of the playmaker that is my current favorite member of the new england patriots the man who cracked the enigma code that is bill belichick's smile kendrick Bourne. i want the patriots throwing to this guy more frequently, more often, all over the field. Who made the most electrifying touchdown catches on the Patriots last year? On the sideline, over the middle of the field against Cleveland. The bomb that he caught between double coverage to help bring the Patriots back to get a lead that they should have held on to against Dallas. And he still caught two touchdowns, albeit very meaningless touchdowns, against Buffalo. He's got a high third-down conversion rate. He's got a great red zone rate. And he's a playmaker. Uh, you've seen him and Matt getting together in Florida this offseason, trying to continue to work the chemistry and rapport. And I just love watching him play as well. Like this is a, this is a glue guy I want on my team who I'm expecting bigger things from in 22. Yeah, it's a great pick. I remember writing a free agency last year that his underlying numbers from San Francisco, kind of the separation, a lot of the GPS tracking data was much better than the outputs he had, which was like, yeah, hey, you know, five, 600 yards a year. And he proved that in year one. And I'm with you that I think year two could be better. The other flip side about that, about cracking Bill Belichick, we in the media, and I think rightfully so, made a big deal about Matt Judon's presence in the locker room, what he's added, this kind of joking attitude, the boom box, all this different stuff. The offensive version of Matt Judon in the locker room, adding what was really kind of a needed spice, if you will, was Kendrick Bourne. That's a guy who people gravitated towards. Of course, you can find him at any time, wherever he is on Instagram or any sort of social media. That's who that dude is all the time. And I'll say this now here, we're recording on June 1st. I've heard a couple of things where Kendrick Bourne might be a captain next year. And that should tell yeah. you everything when they bring back Matthew Slater, Devin McCourty, and James White in free agency, that that guy might be able to crack the inner leadership circle. So great pick. Who's um, you got Damian Harris and Kendrick Bourne. Who's your next pick? 
This is the most ridiculous pick that I will make in this draft, but I'm not going to apologize for it because I'm a ridiculous human being, football <laughs> analyst and caricature of your cousin from Boston whenever I decide to turn on the townie. I, I can't let you have him, which is why I need to select the Patriots MVP of the past two seasons, the unsung MVP of the National Football League, the man who scores the most points consistently for the Patriots, you may know him as the place kicker wearing number six, but he's number one in the program and in your hearts. I refer to him as the legend of big kick, Nick, Nick folk to team Fitzy, <laughs> big, big kick, Nick, that big kick, Nick, yes. different player. Um, dude, I love that. I'm sorry. There is just something about, I think it was when he nailed the 50 yarder to beat the jets in that at the time, semi-meaningful, but ultimately meaningless Monday night football game a couple of years ago during the pandemic 2020. And I just thought like this guy's nails and I love, you know what I'm a sucker for? I am a sucker for a second act. I know Fitzgerald said there are no second acts in the American life, but like we're all about in Boston. We love a great redemption or turnaround story. Like Nick folk, basically just about out of football. Belichick brings him in to take over for Guskowski. We're watching Al Horford, who was a throw in in a dump contract first round pick trade with Oklahoma city, become the emotional core and paternal leader of the Celtics in the NBA finals. And he's, and he can see he's great. I mean, like uh, the guy would have a route. They would have renamed route one for him. If his 56 yarder against Tampa, his time was just about to expire in the rain last October went through to beat Brady. So I love him. I share a name with him and now he's on my team. All right. Well, you got your finger on the pulse of, of Patriots nation, as they say. Um, also Malcolm Butler fits exactly what we're talking about. This kind of prodigal Patriot. Yep. I've written about it tons of different times, probably too many. Jamie Collins fits in there. Um, you know, to a lesser degree, obviously you can't beat the storyline. Patrick Chung, Kyle Van Noy. There's a hot, yeah. there's a highway yeah. full of them. Yeah. Great story. Okay. So I, that leaves me the Quinn Nordine deal. The kicker really left. I'm not going to spend my next pick on Quinn Nordine <laughs> too really quickly sticking with kind of the, the high floor here. Um, Devin McCourty, give me the quarterback and the secondary. He's going to change the coverages. I think he's got a unique skill set in that if you need someone to play single high, the whole game and unlock your whole playbook, this is the guy. So Devin McCourty, my third overall pick. Now I'm going to cross words here. Just, he's just like, that's like, a, just a solid pick. Like you yeah. just walked, you just walked into someplace and you saw that they just like tapped a keg of Lagunitas. And you're like, I don't know if anything else here is fresh, but I know I can depend on, like it's a, it's Sam Adams in a bottle. It's like, I know this is going to be, I know what I'm getting here. It's been around a long time, veteran presence. He's back for one more year. The one question I have, as you previously mentioned, the captain potential captainship, if you will, mm -hmm. uh, for Kendrick Bourne in 22, like DMAC, Matthew Slater, and James White, how much impact do you think they're going to have on the field versus like, I need to give a little bit more of that championship DNA and previous Patriot leadership. Like this is like, show these guys one more time how we do it here before you guys go gently into that good football night. Yeah, I wrote about this when, you know, New England is collectively freaking out for that first week of free agency. Everyone's going, so Terrence Mitchell, huh? You know, like what, what the hell is going on? Everyone? Come on, do something. Belichick, what are you doing? Come on, right. what happened to last year? I like that. Yeah, you're turning 70. You lost your touch. You lost your mind. And I, I talked to a couple people within the team and around the league who said largely this was kind of expected. And they, the words I heard was we're not panicking about how things are going on. And part of that was they trust that all the players they brought in last year, you know, we've said a couple of them already, Hunter Henry, Kendrick Bourne, Matt Judon, the way their contracts were structured, they knew there were going to be big pieces in 2022, not only on the field, in the locker room, but on their cap sheet. So there's not a whole lot of room there, but they trust their infrastructure to get a little bit more out of those guys in year two, as well as Mac Jones. 
by re-signing all those captains. So I think they, this is really going to be, and this is a discussion for another pod, I think, the 2022 season as a test of their system. And that is proven through the players like Devin McCourty and Matthew Slater, as much as Belichick's ability to develop certain players and squeeze more out of his defense just schematically than a lot of other people, because they're riding with their guys and did in free agency. And that was point one. For better or worse, they trust these guys. And you might not like them in terms of, you know, star impact players improving the roster talent, but they were all low risk contracts for the team, short term contracts for the team. And guys, you kind of know what you're going to get. So there's a high floor nature to this, but also, we're going to bring the band back together and we're going to elevate it just because of that fact that these guys are here right at the front playing the tunes, every single hit that you and I know. Right. And half of the guys they signed last year during the uncharacteristically aggressive uh, free agency spending spree, where they spent the budget of like a transformers or fast and furious movie to bring in all these guys, half of them didn't even contribute that much. So if you get decent seasons out of John U. Smith or Nelson Aguilar, and you get what you got last year from Hunter Henry and Kendrick Bourne and God show and et cetera, the Patriots still have a chance to be competitively relevant, which is all I can continue to ask for, seeing as I've seen them go to nine Super Bowls and win six this century as well. And yeah, to me, this is a Belichick, you know, putting his blank on the table type of season. And for all of the national analysts like the Colin Cowherds who say that they're trying to win it this year in a Popovichian style, which is culture will override talent. If there's any one guy you're going to trust who can establish with the veterans he has and a proven system that's already got him in the Hall of Fame well before he retires, I'm going to go Bill Belichick. I love it because, you know what, this is now back-to-back episodes. We are getting full-on positivity and optimism, which I mentioned in June. This is what the season is for in the NFL. We're going to get a hard dose reality in week one down in Miami, a sweaty 100-degree dose of reality, which could be a great reality. But until then, I think every fan's going to be a little bit nervous. So for anyone who wants to group me in with this idea of negative Boston media, man, my guy Fitzy is, is preaching to you the positivity. And Chad Finn, who I had on last week, laid out all reasons for optimism. Another reason for optimism, and I'm I'm toggling between two players here with my next pick, and then we'll recap quickly to see who we have. I'm going to go with the receiver because I think I have a high floor team right now. I want a higher ceiling. Devontae Parker, if this guy stays healthy, he is the ex receiver that the Patriots have hoped since 2019 that Nikhil Harry would be. No need to say any more words about Nikhil Harry, but that leaves me with Mac Jones throwing to Devontae Parker and Hunter Henry with Matt Judon and Devin McCourty on defense. And you have Damian Harris, Kendrick Bourne, and Nick Folk. All right. And to that squad, that powerhouse triumvirate, we're going to get uh, we're going to get freaky. Here comes the Fitzy five with my fourth overall pick. Do we only get one running back or are we allowed to? No, you that was the beauty of the backups. If you want to have right. full on powerhouse, you you take Ramondre Stevenson for me. I got to tell you, my backfield is going to be hurting. So if you're going with that, then as 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 David Andrews shouted in that clip that went viral midseason, Mondre, Mondre, <laughs> you. That's right. Ramondre Stevenson, someone who I had never heard of before. The Patriots took him in 2021 coming out of Oklahoma, fourth round draft pick. Some believe that he could eventually succeed James White as more of the third down back because the Patriots have such a great legacy of third down backs. And that's an area of need. I think they've had for a while because James White is kind of getting up there and turn. Well, I mean, the guy had a catastrophic hip injury last year, couldn't even walk the first three months. Uh, and you you look at that long line of effective guys from J.R. Redmond all the way through Kevin Falk, Danny Woodhead, professional golfer, Shane Vereen, James White. They need someone else there. Maybe it's Mondre, or maybe he also takes over as the lead back as well. And it's that kind of game plan attack versatility 
that I love out of him. Got really soft hands. And boy, after he got blowed the blank up in the first game of the year, putting the ball on the ground and then just getting run over um, by Landon Roberts against Miami in the 2021 kickoff game, pass protection got better, moves got better, ball security got better. Love to have him on the squad. I'll tell you this quick note, a reminder of Stevenson, and then we got to roll through a couple of picks. He was working with the pass catchers in the last OTA practice that we saw, which, as I said in the open, take it with not just a grain of salt, but a whole freaking ton of it. Him and Damian Harris were trusted as pass catchers in a way that you saw all the other running backs not. And yep. to me, that also indicates you're, you're going to be on the field in pass catching situations, but in those situations, you might also be pass protecting. So this is a guy that I think is making that ascension, usually seeing year two, but you really saw it towards the end of last season, which is the last step for full trust from the coaching staff. Can you hold on to the ball? And can you hold up and blitz pick up? All right. Can't let you dominate the the pass rush this year. And I know we got to move it along. I'm going to go high ceiling on this one. Everyone is wait, raving about him. We've all been waiting for the breakout. Uche, Josh right. Uche. Let's do this, man. Uh, I got a lot of family that went to Michigan. Go blue as well. So I need to up the Wolverine quotient on my team. If he put on just a little bit of extra something to make his body type Judon adjacent, we've seen that he can power rush. We've seen that he's quick. He's got good moves, and he's drawing raves from the people that we believe to be some of the better defensive minds in the NFL. This is it. I know it's supposed to be year two. Give me the year three breakout for Josh Uche. Awesome. That's what I had in high school, so I'm riding with Josh Uche. I had a year three breakout Same. junior year. Transcripts aren't so great. Okay, colleges are starting to take a look. You got to push through. We stayed home. We went to UConn. Things worked out. Um, all right. So I was afraid here that you were going to go as soon as you mentioned him, David Andrews. I'm taking the captain right there in the middle. Mac oh. Jones is going to be having trouble with some interior pressure. So welcome to the squad. And uh, this is another I'm going back and forth. I'm going to go Christian Barmore. Up front uh. with Matt Judon. I think barring that Andrew Callahan year three leap from Josh Uche, I might have just nabbed the top two pass rushers on this team. You may have. You may have gotten the emerging stud on the Patriots defense and the anchor of their efforts to prevent the other team from scoring the football because the same way that that image of Steph Diggs watching Kansas City celebrate in the AFC Championship two years ago lingered. Uh, Barmore, I loved. He just stood there in the field and watched Buffalo dance on the proverbial Patriots grave and then a member of the Bills offensive line came up and talked to him afterwards. And you know... He was such a steal and he's such a powerhouse and he holds up well against the run and just blows pockets up left and right. Uh, I think this guy might be an absolute animal this season. That's a, that's a huge grab. That might be the best grab so far. Yeah, I'm feeling, I'm feeling pretty good. So we'll reset after your next two picks, but who do you got okay. here? This is going to be your fifth and sixth or sorry, sixth and seventh picks. Uh, tough call. I want, uh, I think this guy is going to be available a little bit later on. So give me Kyle Duggar Great safety. Pick. Uh, third year was doing great last year until the hand injury came out against Buffalo with the club may as well have not even played. He was useless at that point. Solid tackler. You know, you love that uh, fundamental tackler. We're hoping to see more of that Rodney Harrison level style of play come out of him this year. And there's a chance for him to grasp the leadership role in the secondary alongside Adrian Phillips. And then on the offensive side, uh, no risk it, no biscuit, kid. High risk, high reward. Literally need the highest ceiling for Trent Brown, the man who blocks two things, players and the sun. The sun. <laughs> I just want him. I just want him. Just If he can stay on the field, like the numbers back this pick up to Andrew. Yes, they do. Because when he's on the field, the Patriots run game improves by almost two yards per carry. That's an insane statistic. And like when you just look at him, you just think like this person, this is, this is a person moving device. That's what he, that's what he does. You know, he loves playing there. Um, 
I'm, if, if I can get over 13 games out of him this season, monster year, totally worth the contract. It's, it's like when you hear NBA reporters cite the on-off numbers of like the Celtics are plus 10 per 100 possessions with Jason Tatum on the floor right. in minus 12. Like that is the Trent right. Brown to their run game on the Their right run side. game is Daniel Tice on the floor against <laughs> Miami. Like yeah, just exactly. without him, like just total garbage kid. All right. Well, we'll stick him with the offensive line. Um, actually, let me ask you this. Trent Brown, we've seen him start at left tackle and OTAs against just OTAs. Yep. Um, are you keeping him on the blind side? Are you keeping him a right tackle? Where are you putting him? You uh, also don't have to answer because this would also no, take me off. No, hundred percent. I will gladly answer that. Okay. I will answer that question. I didn't order the code red, but I will tell you that I do want Trent Brown on the left side. His okay. performance, he was healthy for all 16 games, all 17 weeks. And then the playoffs in 2018, when the Patriots had, that awesome transition to a power running game. Mac Jones's blind side may be the most important thing to protect on the entirety of the Patriots offense. Uh, and, and at this point, like, I don't know what we're, if Isaiah Wynn, there's your most troubling absence from OTAs right there. Yeah. I feel like you could, you could find some way to go with a combination of like Justin Haran, the occasional Kajust and maybe Stuber. Uh, if this kid proves to be a really good seventh round snag over at right tackle, but if Trent Brown is healthy, I want him on the left side of the line because um, yeah, that's what you got to protect, especially with the way the Patriots offense and the way it might move could be transforming the season. Sticking with the big boys, Mike on come on down. Boom. Heaviest player on the team. I got to protect Mac up the middle. No mm -hmm. one's doing that better than big Mike. And then we're going to go to defense. I think he's the best corner on the team, but you don't think of him because he's so often in the slot, Jonathan Jones. Yeah. And he gives me a little bit of flexibility at safety. I don't want to see him back there a whole lot. Um, but you know, they've talked a little bit about positionless football. We don't have enough time to get into that, but I think there's enough there where again, you start in the middle of the field and build out. And that's what I got here with Jonathan Jones. All right. I'm going to need to pick a tight end at some point, but one of us is going to be looking at like the, the last kid picked at the kickball game, whenever it's John o. Smith time. And I, uh, I have my eye on him, but it's still not time yet. You talked about positionless football. When we're talking positionless football, I want Jabril peppers mm. who I think could be the best off season signing by the Patriots. The sky could be the limit for him. If he is fully recovered from the ACL can return punts almost has modern NFL 2022 linebacker size High quality safety. Again, Michigan guy. I remember Rich Eisen going off saying Belichick, if he got a healthy Jabril Peppers, got the steal of the free agency season. And the fact that he revealed in his first media avail to you guys that uh, Belichick told him, we're going to use you a lot and we're going to be playing three safeties or more on the field pretty much all season long, told me Jabril Peppers is going to have a lot of opportunities to make plays for this defense. Uh, quick question, and then I'm going to get to my pick because I think you had... Oh, no, you still have another one. Um, is there a close second for best free agent signing? No, nope. it's not Jabril Peppers. Nope. Okay, great. No, <laughs> not, no sir, there is not. <laughs> yeah. All right. Your, uh, your next pick. Uh, okay. I, I don't really have anything on the defensive line right now. I'm just going to go with good old Lawrence guy. No, I like it. Good I like old it. La I mean, he just, there, he's, the, you know, he's like, the Lagunitas pick. We need to go back yeah. and revise the beer selection for Devin McCourty. Like Maybe. I don't, I don't want to say fat tire, but at least that's like, oh, okay. We'll, we'll step up you know, and watch. You know what Devin McCourty is? Devin McCourty's a can of Narragansett. Never let you down. Never let you down. And uh, it's my golf beer of choice. Yeah. Because it's just, it, it tastes I like just, beer. I just want it to be a little bit more expensive. We'll, we'll come back to that. Um, okay. All right. You know what? At Jack's Abbey House Lager. There you go. <laughs> 
delighted to hear all this. And Lawrence, I know, but well, listen, I'm trying to get you help you get some beer sponsors here. Lawrence Guy, he's your Lagunitas, but like he's just like he's never really out of position. I think he's got like a penalty to his name in the several years he's been on the defensive line. To me, he's the David Andrews of the defensive line. Yeah, Uh, and you look at team leader. He's up there and run stops, which, yep. you know, some of the way they tally and record those things, like I have a discrepancies when I'm doing my own charting after every game. But the bottom line is he's a guy you can put across the line, sometimes at end, sometimes in the middle. Like he's going to be a first and second down player, but you need those right now when you just have Josh. And, and my locker room is going to be great because he's well-liked. He's into nerd core. He's a huge Star Wars and Mandalorian fan. Yeah. Couldn't be couldn't be nicer. Actually gives you the time of day in interviews as well. So at least, you know, my locker room isn't going to be just a bunch of grumbles and cliches after every game. Yeah, you you are way ahead in that department. Let me tell you, between Kendrick Bourne, <laughs> Trent Brown, sneaky, awesome locker room guy in interview, uh, Lawrence guy, you know, Josh Uche is still playing things by the book, but I think yeah. between, you know, Guy Peppers will we'll bring him out. Um, you mentioned playing with the three safeties. Adrian Phillips was the reason for this last year, playing mm-hmm. in the box. Come on down. And then I'm going to go back to offense here. Give me Jacoby Myers, oh. Mr. Reliable. He's another... I can't say Lagunitas because we've said that a bunch. I mean, he just might be a Bud Light. I don't know. Like, he doesn't have the national profile of a Bud Light, mm-hmm. but just solid. You know, like, okay. Right. He's, I mean, he's been great. Throws a, throws a beautiful deep ball if they give him a chance yeah. to run a few more of those option passes every now and again. I'm curious to see, though, if the 25 pounds of muscle that he put on in the offseason, because he was noticeably much more bulky uh, or bulkier, you should say, uh, in those videos that emerged out of Florida with Mac and JJ Taylor and Kendrick Bourne and Devonte Parker getting some practice time in a couple of weeks back. Is that going to add to his game or is that going to hinder his game? Like, is he expect, is he telling us like, I'm going to probably take a beating with a couple of hospital balls and third down catches, hoping to convert for first down. Cause he's not great on the sidelines. We saw that terrible drop against Indy last year. That's not where he does his best work. The middle of the field is where he patrols, but don't confuse him with the, Amendola, Edelman, Wes Welkerian uh, type of third down, speedy, shifty ankle breaker, guys. Yeah, I think the the added muscle would be something, and this is not backed by anything scientific, but seeing these guys in the locker room and some of the players you just talked about, like Edelman was was sneaky ripped and built, especially down below. And I think mm-hmm. that's where you need the weight where you're getting guys coming in low at your knees because they can't hit you up high and you're ducking down on right. third down. Like he did need to build that up to take those hits on third down and keep popping up. And to his credit, somehow this guy was Gumby early in his career because he didn't really miss any games. But nope. I think he's not a long speed kind of player anyway. If he maintains that quickness and adds some extra muscle, all the better to him. So quick recap, and then you got two picks. We both had Mac Jones. I'm coming down the list. Two receivers, Devontae Parker, Jacoby Myers with Hunter Henry, David Andrews, Mike Onwenu up front. Defensively, Matt Judon and Christian Barmore on the line. I don't have any linebacker. Neither of us have any linebackers. So Josh Uche, Judon can count. Um, in the secondary, John Jones, Devin McCourty, and Adrian Phillips for Team Fitzy. Mac Jones with Damian Harris, Ramondre Stevenson, Kendrick Bourne, up front, Trent Brown. Defensively, Josh Uche, Lawrence Guy, Kyle Dogger, Jabril Peppers, and your man, Nick Fulton. That's right. And joining the core uh, on the upside gang, if you will, mm-hmm. it's technically his first year. Uh, it was an injury laden red shirt type of year. Not one like Ronnie Perkins where like, was he really injured? Uh, I'd say that was sort of um, 
Trey Flowers is the classic case of like, were you really injured or did you kind of get redshirted? They had the Foxborough flu in 2015 after he just completely destroyed Aaron Rodgers in the preseason. We got excited for him. He sits down. He's a monster in 2016. Cameron McGrone, you are proudly sporting the colors of Team Fitzy. This kid has come in. He looks the part. He is going to be asked to be the Keanu Neal um, the early miles, Jack, like the speedy coverage linebacker, hoping to make Buffalo punt, let alone make plays in the defense, um, would have been a second or a third round pick in 2021. Had he not torn the ACL spoiler alert, he did, he becomes a value play. And I think he's the guy that while everyone was saying, come on, Belichick, what are you doing? Macro get some linebackers. Did you not watch the end of the indie game of Buffalo? They trust this kid. And the fact that he said, the time for me is now, and I have no fear. Oh, boom sauce. Let's go. They are running a PR campaign in a, in a very Patriot standard, you know, definition. And, I'm a, and I am a sucker for it. But before this kid, and they don't do that for anyone, especially someone who has not played a single NFL snap. Like you go back to macro voluntarily bringing him up among the linebackers. And I said throughout the whole offseason, they like this group better than anyone on the outside does. And that was the reason they didn't take anyone. And Cameron McGrone is the biggest reason behind that. They were excited last November. It's shocking to me how much they, how vocal they've been about their support. And look, if he's earned it, that's great. I just can't verify it. And that's what we're supposed to do here as reporters is to, of course, get the real information, not just pass this on. But as much as we can say, Steve Belichick, Matt Groh, Bill Belichick have gone on about the kid. It's been more than we've heard about anyone, at least since I've been covering the team. And I would say, you know, probably since Belichick started, because again, the kid has not played a single snap. And I think right now you'd have to pencil him in. I mean, he's the first linebacker off the board. Let's put it that way. Yep. Yeah. He is. Oh. Yeah. Uh, and the other guys are edge defenders, but uh, yeah. they're going to be relying on this kid a lot. I, and I think it's a lot of institutional football knowledge and just not the fact that like he's got physical capabilities and is healthy mm-hmm. and joining him on the team. I, I guess I need a cornerback at some point. I'm going to go Malcolm Butler. All right. Uh, and it's not just because, like I said, I'm a sucker for a comeback story, uh, a feel-good reunion. One thing, Butler was a good corner in 2015. I wasn't sure he necessarily merited like all pro or the kind of like lavish praise that was heaped upon him. 2016, I remember back in the playoffs, let alone the Super Bowl, he got cooked a little bit in 2017. He was in his own head because he's worried about the contract, has a bad postseason, and then the stories that linger about the game that shall not be named. But one thing, he like... He's in tremendous shape. This is his comeback. This is his effort to be able to get a final contract, redeem his storyline. And one of the things he does is the Patriots probably transition to this sort of like fluid safety filled nickel dime hybrid defense. He's a great tackler. He, he doesn't, he's got good hands and he's a great tackler. And I think once, and if, if, and once he makes the team, he'll be a solid veteran presence there uh, at the cornerback position, which won't be the strength of the Patriots this season. Right. All right. Looking at the board now, and I'll ask you who among these players sticks out. I'm going to make two picks and then you'll okay. go two we picks. Can, we'll skip. We can announcement. rapid fire if we need to. That's yeah, all yeah. Good. We'll go rapid fire for this top players left on the board. Uh, Jalen Mills at corner. Nelson Aguilar at receiver, offensive tackles, Isaiah Wynn, maybe Justin Haran's in there if you don't trust Wynn's health. Cole Strange is still there, Devon Godchow, Mac Wilson, Dietrich Wise, James White, Johnny Smith, Terrence Mitchell. If you can't tell, that is my tier three that I was just reading off. Mm-hmm. So um, who of all those players sticks out most to you? Who's, who's most interesting looking ahead to this season? Cole Strange by far. Uh, Cole yeah. Strange is going to have the biggest spotlight and the Hubble telescope pointed at him for the New England Patriots fan and media as well. I mean, you're a guard. They took you in the first round. If someone said the Patriots are going to take an offensive lineman in the first round, I would have said I was here for and fully support 
the solder drafting behind Matt Light plan. It wasn't that. It was the, we created a need dealing away Shaq Mason for a couple of spare, you know, range balls and saving $5 million, getting a fifth round pick. If this kid can, if they do change the, the run game and they do try to stretch it outside and get their line and their receivers and their backs moving in space, if this kid is as strong and as mean and vicious and powerful as they say he is, he's going to be a welcome addition to the team. If, you know, if he draws anything resembling Logan Mankin's comparisons during the season, and that's those that's high praise right there because that was one bad mother blanker on the football field. And they need, Patriots need this kid to kick ass this year, point blank. You know who else needs him to kick ass? Who? The Callahan Patriots. Son of a... <laughs> <laughs> I wish I could say that was a setup the entire time, but the more you went on, I'm just going, you know who's behind him is Drew Desjardins, CFL famous, and I just can't go into this season uh, with Drew Desjardins. All due respect to fellow Andrew. Uh, so I have my interior locked up. Cole Strange, David Andrews, Mike Onwenu. We'll see what the tackles bring. Obviously, edge pressure is going to be a big deal. Uh, and then with my next pick, as we start rapid fire, Jalen Mills on defense. Uh, he wasn't there for OTAs, but he better get his ass there to collect his fifth-year option that was picked up. If he thinks he's going to get a valid second-year contract or stick around with the New England Patriots, let's see the small hands and shorter arms that some said made him more guard-appropriate in the NFL. I was a believer from day one. He's a positive force on social media, and he was a sneaky good run blocker last year. The past protection could still use a little work. Isaiah Wynn, let's hope that's all you do this season. You are on Foxborough Fitzy. Uh, win with win uh, left guard. Uh, le- sure. Okay. I guess I'll have to, I, I, we'll put it, I'll put where I, we'll put him on the line where I'll tell uh, you, they, they, um, someone I talked to and I didn't verify this yep. with someone else, but said they kicked that around this off season when they were sniffing around some big time offensive tackles is that they would move him inside. Mm. Um, not due to health, just in terms of best fit. So I don't think that's as much as he's played tackle virtually his entire NFL career. That that's so crazy, but I promise rapid fire. So let's keep that going. Okay, we'll keep it going. Uh, the next pick, uh, I'll go Mac Wilson. Damn it. Damn it. Great pick. Yeah, I mean, it, again, it, as you know, maybe maybe a couple of picks, solid tech, just speed over the middle. As Gerard Mayo, as Troy Brown, as anyone with a coaching position that's sort of fluid and still to be defined would tell any of us in the offseason, Andrew. They want to get more explosive. They want to get faster on the second and the third level because they knew they got exposed big time last season. Mac Wilson adds to that. Another Alabama guy in Foxborough. Go figure. All right. For me, I'm going Devon Godchow in the middle. We are staying in the middle, but we are getting very slow. And then I will take, um, let's stick in the trenches. Justin Haran. Good pick. Good pick. Might actually be a good, might actually be one of those like, Hey, you were, um, uh, uh, you, you could be like the Cam Fleming, like a oh, 2017 Cam Fleming, sneaky good, got him a nice deal down in Dallas as well. If we can get that kind of season out of Justin Huron this season, that's a dub. Yep. All right. Who you got? All right. Uh, next, give me Adrian Phillips. Oh, he's off the board. Oh, sh- you took him earlier. I didn't know yeah. how I missed that. I'm sorry. It's all right. Uh, and I, I was here the entire time. Uh, all right. I got to have a tight end. All right, Janu. <laughs> That's it. That's all you get. I, you, you know, you know, let me put it this way. You know what you did last season, John o. Smith. You know what you did. Don't you dare. It, he was, he missed OTAs last year because it was the pandemic. He had a newborn this year. He's here for it. 31 and a half million guaranteed over those first two seasons. Hasn't really validated much and or any of it. He may not be the greatest football player, 
But as many have said, if he can just start playing and stop looking like he's running while he's thinking, he'll make some, if not maybe a couple of key contributions this season. He, he can't get worse. And that's just not me that's putting it. him as far down as you could be. It's just looking at his <laughs> career statistics page and just saying, this was the worst season of his career. And you take out that rookie year, oh. which we all should, you know, like he will bounce back. This is just going to be positive regression. And it's clear. Most obvious. that's what the sign says above the John o. Smith cafe. Like, Hey, the food can't get any worse. <laughs> yeah. Next to the big letter D from like the, whatever inspection agency <laughs> does that for food and safety. All right. And uh, I think on the defensive line, I'll take Henry Anderson. Okay. Sneaky. Good pick. Yeah. Missed like all last it, year. I, I, had I missed it last year with the torn pack, like yeah. sol- solid player. Uh, you know, I, no one's going to say like, Oh, this was a Henry Anderson game. Like well, the offensive coordinator is going to be up all night planning for Henry Anderson. No, like just get in the way of people trying to advance the football. And if you can do that and stay healthy, you're a quality addition to Fox pro fits. Yeah. Um, I will take Terrence Mitchell as a third corner journeyman see how it goes <laughs> that that's it fair enough yep and then uh whew, this is tough um i mean this again this is where the tough picks just don't matter you're pretty set at inside linebacker so i'm gonna wait on Raquan mcmillan who they love Ooh, maybe they love i take guy. ahead of juan bentley which is kind of all the disrespect juan bentley needs but i mean we all saw him on third down last year um <sighs> Give me Nelson Aguilar. Let, let's just spread this out, air it out. Let's just live a little. Let's, let's, let's just, go. you know, let's let, let's live a little. Let's go ahead and walk into the oily rag factory with a lit cigarette. Let's see what happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, where am I a little deficient right now? Well, let me, yeah, let me reset here. Okay. Okay, both court, both teams, starting with mine. Mac Jones, I don't have a running back still. My receivers are Devontae Parker, Jacoby Myers, Nelson Aguilar. Hunter Henry at tight end, the offensive line from left to right. Do I sound like Gil Santos? Uh, Justin Haran, Cole Strange, David Andrews, Mike Onwenu, blank. Defensively, Matt Judon on the one edge, Christian Barmore, Devon Gotcha on the middle, empty edge on the other side, no inside linebackers, secondary at corner, Jalen Mills, Terrence Mitchell, Jonathan Jones, safeties, Devin McCourty, and Adrian Phillips, no kicker or punter. Okay. You are... Mac Jones, mm-hmm. running backs are Damian Harris from Andre Stevenson, mm-hmm. Kendrick Bourne at receiver, Johnny Smith at tight end, Trent Brown, Isaiah Wynn up front. Defensively, Josh Uche on one edge, Lawrence Guy and Henry Anderson on the line. Inside linebackers roaming everywhere, Cameron McGrone and Mac Wilson, Malcolm Butler at corner, Kyle Duggar and Jabril Peppers at safety with the kicker, Nick Fult. All right, my next pick. Uh, everybody raved about him. Uh, the fact that he's so fluid, he's quick, he was fielding punts. Uh, I know he had some issues early on in his collegiate career, but he could be one of the sneaky steals of the 2022 Patriots draft, or at least they're going to need him to because this position is highly deficient. And the best I got is Malcolm Butler. I'll take Jack Jones, cornerback out of Arizona State, rookie on the New England Patriots and Foxborough Fitzy. All right, next pick. Uh, And your next pick, uh, I'm going to go, you know what? Give me Tyquan Thornton. Oh yeah. I need that speed. Your second. I, need, I feel that need. I feel the need. I, I don't know what we're, I honestly don't know what we're going to get of him this year. I don't know if this guy is going to turn out to be Ted Ginn jr. Part two, or if he's going to be more Bethel Johnson, but you know, sometimes you gotta, you know, aim high if you want to fly. Yeah. All right. I'm going to go to safe picks. Uh, James white. Welcome to the running backs room. Make yourself. You got, you got one now. Finally. <laughs> I know. Um, and then Dietrich wise, you know, just a movable piece, a little bit of pass rush. I love I just, that guy. He's such a, he's such a dude too. He's gotten better in his run defense. He's still not a standout, but he's going to get, 
just he's a classic hurries and pressures versus sacks guy mm-hmm. and it's not overwhelming i think they overpaid for him a year ago another locker room presence um sneaky future candidate to be a captain i wouldn't peg him this year or next but he'll be he'll be around here for a while all right uh let's continue to fortify the trench beef where the wars of sunday gridiron action are won i know i need another guard uh, this guy might be chipping in left guard, right guard, and possibly even as a backup center as well. Give me the 2022 version of Ted Karras, big James Ferentz. Oh, all right. Steady James Ferentz. That dude Old is bound steady Jim from hit. Where do you want him by the way? Cause you have Brown at left tackle. I think we talked Isaiah win at left guard. You of course can fix this, whoever you want at the end, mm-hmm. win at left tackle Brown at the right, but obviously James is going in somewhere in the interior. I'll put Ferentz at center. Center. Okay. I think that's smart. He's right now is their backup center as far as we've seen really the last few years. Um, so that works. Okay. Uh, second pick. Uh, I, I, I need a, I need a right tackle as well. I'm going to gamble. I'm going to gamble that one of my, one of my guys will be available. I'm going to go upside again. I want Marcus Jones. Mm, uh, I love that. Offensive and defensive weapon as I'm labeling him out of the university of Houston, this kid, when I heard that he literally could like the same way at a waffle house, you can get him plain covered, smothered, uh, however you want him. Like the fact that this kid was able to score a touchdown as a punt returner, a kickoff returner, a wide receiver and a defensive back at a D one school. Like that's what I'm talking about. Again, more speed, more playmaking ability. Uh, and I listened to Phil Perry's podcast recently where, uh, one of his old coaches said, absolutely. This kid could turn into a good cornerback, but a much better receiver. Maybe, maybe that's the plan. All who knows. Um, I, but I'm I'm here for it. Popcorn is ready to see what this kid can do. The best compliment I think you can give a guy, particularly third round player rookie, is he's just a baller. And that's something yep. I kept hearing about Marcus Jones checking in on him after people at Houston, couple scouts around the league. Like the kid can just play. And I think honestly, if you're going to maximize him, and it's worth sinking into him, right? Like we don't need to talk yep. more about James Ferentz, but. It, it is that fact that you need him to impact kick return and punt return and maybe play a little bit of offense because I wrote about him earlier this week. Only two corners in the last 10 years of NFL play who were five foot eight or shorter. He's five foot eight. Yep. have had multiple pass breakups in a season. One of them is Miles Bryant, but you could argue whose failings mm-hmm. undrafted guy made the team. Congrats to him. More NFL snaps I've ever taken. His failings, though, against Buffalo are the reason maybe Marcus Jones is here. So a thousand percent they're counting on him to be an outlier there but he can still provide value in the areas that i just mentioned where i think it makes sense to pull him on a jet sweep or fake the jet sweep have him go in the slot like he doesn't need to master the route tree give him a couple of things like you had even isaiah zuber doing you know a couple of years ago which is isaiah zuber but you know he, it's it's unfortunate the league has kind of depressed the value of kick return something i asked belichick about before the last OTA practice with mark and Jones in mind but he's again it's just Keep it simple when you watch the tape. The kids' highlights are everywhere. He can play. Just don't count him to be a lockdown corner. Round out his value in the other parts of the game. If I were him, I would send an Amazon gift card to Isaiah McKenzie for stealing Miles Bryant's lunch and then eating it in front of him in that December Buffalo game as well. Miles Bryant, probably better suited to just be, uh, and again, really nice guy and had a couple of signature plays in 2020 and in 2021 against Buffalo in the previous windy matchup up in Orchard Park. Uh, as far as Marcus Jones goes, like 
uh, two sneaky stats. I already got Jack Jones. Now I got Marcus Jones. Mm-hmm. So I got the third and fourth round smaller size corners. Jack Jones, highest rated cornerback last year in the Pac-12 in terms of coverage numbers. And the highest coverage numbers, according to Pro Football Focus's college numbers over the past two seasons, the highest rated cornerback, Marcus Jones. There you go. This segment brought to you by PFF. NBSP. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we each have eight picks left. We are now firmly in the 20s, 21st and 22nd pick here coming for me. I'm not going to overthink this. Juan Belly is still on the board. Look, we can complain about chalk. I did. Yeah. Before we went, but just as he said, chalk, I need an inside linebacker. He's going to start, started every game last year, first and second down. Then we'll drop someone else in the box. So he goes for me in the 21st round. I look at the rest of the roster. It's, it's a little tough. Like again, James White is my only running back. I'll grab one a little bit later. I don't think you'll go with the third one though. As I announced that opens the door for you to really screw me in terms of hitting the ball up. Cause I also yep. don't have Marcus Jones to give the ball to, but I think I'm just going to finish up, you know, with, with that offensive line and, and go Yadni could just at, at right tackle. Um, Cause it's, it, it's nothing. You burned really me there. Good job. You burned me there. And, and it's, you know, he could flip flat with Justin Huron and it's not really great. Like I might even put, you know, Mike on Wenu there at right tackle and then say, Hey, Andrew Stuber, Chase and Hines come in at right guard. But it just, I got the whole line set. I got an inside linebacker next time. I'm probably going running back. So do with you will with that information. But I think that's just at this point, you, you gotta, you gotta fill your holes. If I could perfect world, the Patriots offensive line, given the talent that they have right now, I would go Trent Brown, uh, uh, Cole strange, David Andrews that I might put up a battle for right guard between Ferentz, maybe even in rookie chase and Hines, who I think actually might be one of those sneaky, like, wow, they got another, they got another mic on when you type. And then I would put on when you over at right tackle. Cause even though I know he didn't play in college, he was really, really good there in 2020. I don't know why they felt the need to shoehorn him back in to left guard where he didn't play well, ultimately leading to Ted Karras ascending yeah. in the Houston game and beyond and locking up the line for the better part of the season. Yeah, uh, that would be my perfect line. Now you got me thinking. I'm going to make a decision there. I might, I might go back whole line now that I said that solidified. But you got your next two picks here. Uh, you're, I'm going to guess before you make your picks. O line might be an area you go to too, though. I just filled that up. Um, you got your safeties. Maybe another edge guy to go opposite Josh Uche. Okay, I'm going to go edge guy and line guy with these next two picks. Uh, I'm looking for the Trey Flowers breakout season from Oklahoma's Ronnie Perkins with your next pick. Uh, They had to have taken him in the third round for a reason. Again, we saw nothing. And look, I may be a sucker for uh, a template and saying that Trey Flowers was impressive, went away, disappeared, came back a smarter, faster, stronger, better Patriots player. I don't know. If Ronnie Perkins has the same measurables, if he has the same football instincts that the very um, demure, if you will, the very softly spoken Trey Flowers does. But I need somebody out there and I don't know who else it's going to possibly be. Uh, I'm going to take a flyer on him. That one could blow up in my face or it could just be a bit of a wasted pick. But we are in the 20s. And as you know, when you live in your 20s, there's a lot of wasted time. I'm also going to go with Chasen Hines uh, to play right guard for me as well. If this kid's strong enough, to be on the LSU offensive line, traditionally a strength of the team, play center and guard. Patriots have a ton of guys. Like, is David Andrews, like, sweating this out a little bit? Like, is he going to work harder than he ever has before? Because there seem to be an awful lot of guys, Cole Strange, James Ferentz, Chasen Hines, and David Andrews that can play the center position. 
I know he and Mac are also besties and hang out at Hunter Henry's house, but what is this? What kind of message do you think is being sent to him? Well, you forgot one name too, and this is Cody Rusty, undrafted free agent out of Houston, who right. you could say, oh, undrafted free agent. Uh, first of all, David Andrews was an undrafted free agent coming Patriots on. Patriots are Bowl. rife with Udfas. They make them, they, they succeed all the time up that way. Bring on all of the Udfas. Not only just an undrafted free agent, David Andrews, but in 2015, when they were coming off that Super Bowl winner with the Seahawks, where they had Brian Stork there, who obviously uh, has since disappeared. But Cody Rusty got the highest number of guaranteed money, dollars on his contract out of all the undrafted mm. free agents. That doesn't always mean anything, but it is a sure indicator of where they see him relative to the other guys they signed and who might have a shot. So I don't think he'll unseat anybody, but you're right. There you got a lot of center options there in case David Andrews gets a little nicked up and he had off-season shoulder surgery. Um, but Jason Hines, yeah, I, I kind of like it. The other guy that I have a soft spot for, and I found this out after the draft, Andrew Stuber, who I think, yeah, you just made two picks. It, Screw it. He's my next pick. This kid I covered in high school and I didn't know it. <laughs> he, um, I mean, you're scorching me two rounds in a row. I thought you may address the running back position or take some other skill spots. And I could like, I was trying to get Stu, like Stuber late. Like that was, that was me trying to get Stuber, letting him slide by you. That was me trying to sneak um, uh, the receiver that just resigned with the jets by threw on waivers and having the jets snag him. Um, Slot receiver. Um, Braxton Barrios. Braxton Barrios. Yeah. Like I was trying, I, I just tried to basically put Braxton Barrios on the practice squad and you took Stuber from it. <laughs> well, here's the thing about Stuber. Second team All American, right tackle, started there for two seasons in Michigan. Also played some guard. Todd McShay during the draft was just, I've got a good feeling about this kid. I talked to Jim Nagy from the Senior Bowl recently uh, mm -hmm. about Marcus Jones, a couple of other that guys. Yep. He said the same thing where it's like, you know, he's not as athletic as you would want to be you know, at right tackle to kind of bend on the edge and keep those speed guys away. You know what he is though? Six, seven, 300 pounds. And he's played mm -hmm. in major college football against Ohio state, obviously every single year has arguably the best defensive line coach and prospects coming in year in and year out outside of the sec though, maybe even in that sec. So Andrew Stuber, at least this, what this is, this what does for me, he can have a three-way competition with Yadni Kajust, Michael, when went right tackle loser gets right guard. Yeah, that's where I'm at. So I'm done with the line. Uh, second pick, I am going to get another running back, another rookie, Pierre Strong. Come on down, pick number 24. So I have four selections left, and we'll reset. Uh, we'll just reset at the end. At this point, we're so late in there. I love Pierre Strong. That was one of yeah. the guys from the Who Are You Again? Quick, let me go Google your comp reel and YouTube your highlights. I absolutely love this guy's style. I think um, Andy Hart and Chris Scheim, who I do the Six Rings pod with, both said he reminds them of Darren McFadden. And I know Darren McFadden was made of the recycled chandelier glass that JD drew was made out of, <laughs> but uh, like if that kid can stay on the field, he's got legit. Like, I think he had the most, most touchdown runs of over 50 yards or either last season or over the last two seasons. And again, there's that de deficit of, will there possibly be a succession plan at third down back? He doesn't, he has, he doesn't have stone hands. He doesn't have Dan Graham's hands, but he also doesn't have Shane Vereen's hands. Yeah, Pierre uh, Strong is interesting. Speed guy, fourth round, fits the same profile yep. as James White. Or Sub 4-4, four, four, yep. Yeah, going on the, the scouting thing, though, isn't this like the uh, hinge Tinder version of scouting? Let me just swipe through all of your highlights and kind of <laughs> decide in that moment, post, post pick. Like, sometimes that's all you need, though. I mean, what else are people right. doing these days? You know, again, in terms of the not overthinking it. Uh, well, um, back in 2011, don't forget the Patriots drafted in the – 
it was he's either second third it was like they went ridley vereen right and yep. like what are they doing with these two guys and it turns out ridley the next year became the feature back and then vereen became the pass catching back i think the other running back kevin harris could potentially be more the damian harris type so you go harris to harris makes it easy for the patriots coaches especially belichick who's getting up there and pierre strong could maybe be a bigger faster version of vereen and carry on that tradition the emphasis i've put which uh several times in the pod about the third down back all right I need it oh, for God's sake. Somebody has to play right tackle. I think I'm probably going to have to realign my, my, my O line. So I'll probably have to go. I think I'm going to have to go with Isaiah Wynn back at left tackle, R- Trent Brown at right tackle. I'm going to go Ference at center, Chasen Hines at right guard and at left guard. I'll take Cody Russie. You, you talked him up. I got to get him most guaranteed money to the, the, all the Udfas right out there. So Cody Russie, come on down. How do you like the view at uh, Foxborough Fitzy? The Udfas feels like I have not started Obi-Wan Kenobi yet, but when I do, that that will be the next planet in the kind of species that populate that planet, like home of the Udfas in Star Wars. <laughs> exactly. Um, and I need another receiver because uh, I only have two wide receivers. I don't know. I don't know exactly who's left, though, at this point on the who's who do we I, you can't make me pick Nikhil Harry. Don't do that. There's. An early, early, early sleeper based on one and a half practices of OTAs that we've watched. And I checked in at him just with someone today and said, hey, is this guy having a good camp like we've seen? No big response. The old Mm -hmm. like on the text. I take that as confirmation. I'm not going to tell you who he is, but I'll tell you he's not Nikhil Harry, who's not been been at OTAs. Uh, uh, All right, fine. I guess I'm going to have to go with Christian Wilkerson. Oh, I'm thinking of Trey Nixon. Oh, tra- oh, I got Trey Nixon. Uh, all right. Now you said it. I'm going to undo the, uh, it was like a good, uh, like you can unsend a Gmail within 10 seconds. Uh, so I'm yeah. going to take the final selection made by Ernie Adams before he retired as a significant tr- contributor, if you will, special Belichick assistant, Trey Nixon, seventh rounder, 2021 out of central Florida, I believe. Yep. He's, he's speed fell in the draft because of injury. You know, again, not going to wow you, but yep. his, his routes are sharp. And again, there are no pads, no contact, no anything. He's just he kind of, if you like Christian Wilkerson enough, like you, you just did, right. You're making that pick and you're, oh, that was a desperation pick. That was, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Trey Nixon could offer more than Christian Wilkerson has in any season today, next year. And that, that's a complete guess. But in terms of you got the year two leap going, you've got enough raw elite skill to work around in terms of the long speed and the tiny, 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 what we've seen so far, I'd, I'd be optimistic. Okay. Well, I owe you one for that one. That was good. That was, that was nice. Nice on you right there. I appreciate that. You got it. Gentlemen's draft here. We're having folks. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Four picks left. Let's take as much time with these uh, as well, which is really going to be no time. Raekwon McMillan still on the board. I need a second inside linebacker. Welcome to the defense. You're working with uh, Juwan Bentley. Both of you are going to be lifted on third down. And then I'll take uh, Kevin Harris. It's an all-rookie backfield, mm-hmm. aside from James White, the old head, and he's a banger, led the SEC in rushing in 2020 with South Carolina. Again, that is the entire SEC, including Alabama and Georgia, running back you. And back surgery kind of derailed the last season, but I think we're, we're counting on a bounce back. All right. That puts me up on the board, my man. This one's going to come out of nowhere, but I'm digging deep into my Udfa well. Obviously, the Planet Udfa is a huge fan of the Foxborough Fitzies. This kid was a five-star recruit, a very injury-riddled college career. 
But there's that Saban Belichick connection that when it works and it doesn't mm-hmm. always look in your way, Anthony Jennings, it can't be denied. How are you feeling about being on the Foxborough Fitzies, LeBron Ray? I like it. That, a little bit of upside there. Didn't yep. do a whole lot last year, but again, the five star pedigree. You know what else? He got the rookie minicamp. Like he's a little banged mm-hmm. up right now. Mm-hmm. Not everyone. Ask Derek King how rookie minicamp goes sometimes. Oh, I heard he was bad. Certainly wasn't good. Wasn't good. Good enough to actually not even be there for about a week. <laughs> That's a good, young good core on the edge there. I mean, Ray is not, you know, your 250 pound outside linebacker like a Josh Uche or Ronnie Perkins, but he can play kind of your five technique head up on the offensive tackle, bounce all a little bit further set on the edge there. So that's a good, good young trio. All um, right. And uh, I'll take one more linebacker. Um, like I said, fa- a huge fan and a sucker for all the comeback stories. Harvey Longy, Welcome to the Fox bro Fitzies. Mm, good core special teamer. I don't have a core special teamer. I don't have a special teamer period. I still have Quinn Ordine <laughs> staring at me and I'm looking back at him going, you might not get picked at all because we might just go full Kevin Kelly. We're not, we're going for two. We're not, every punting. Time. We're not nope. punting. We're not kicking field goals because you brought up Anthony Jennings and look, you know, he has been as uh, I was texting with Jim McBride of the Boston globe earlier today, international man of mystery. Like if you needed to send Anthony Jennings a postcard, it might be the lower conditioning field at one Patriot place, because that's the only <laughs> place that we see him. He's just down there all the time. That's his proverbial milk carton. If you will, yeah. like, but when we did see him in 2020, they had him, again, a very desperate season overall. He played a little inside linebacker. He played a little bit in the edge. So I get to kind of double dip in my depth there. We're really, Matt Juno is my only traditional outside linebacker. Right. Future Twise is going to be in one edge, but you've got a third inside guy who can also play the edge. Anthony Jennings is my uh, second pick there, um, or my, my penultimate pick. The last one, I mean... Got a six offensive lineman, three receivers, one tight end, three running backs. Should probably go defense again or kicker slash punter. Yeah, g- give me Jake Bailey. I mean, that dude at least ah, is going to give kickoffs. He yep. can get in there on a kick. Like the other guy I was thinking of, you mentioned five-star recruit, Byron Cowart. Mm-hmm. Yep. Fifth-round pick, 2019. He's hung around. He's not going to play on the nose. A little three technique, maybe out to the five. Like just bounce. He's fine. He's, 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 he's fine. Okay. Yeah, He's fine. But, but, but Jake Bailey – Jake Bailey there has all pro ceiling as we've seen. So my last pick, Jake Bailey. Uh, there's still a chance as good as Jake Bailey was in 2020, that because he had a little bit of a down year and he was still one of the better punters in the league last year, he just didn't live up to the standards that he established as he took over for uh, in 2019 and 2020, when he was an all pro making $4 million when they grab a punter uh, again, an undrafted free agent, but, when Bill Belichick sees the opportunity to get 85% of the production out of somebody else that somebody else produces, and he only has to pay 15 to 20% of the money he would have owed the more expensive veteran, there's a chance, ladies and gentle friends, Jake Julian, come on down. <laughs> you, why not? Why not? We're going we're gonna to have to punt at some point. I, I do realize we will not be Buffalo playing the Patriots two out of the last three times. We're going to have to punt the ball at some point. So I think this kid has an outside chance to push Jake Bailey. I could see the same way that I was risky with my first pick in Damian Harris, who could potentially be a trade candidate. If the young kids produce, I still stay. They ride him pretty hard this year and he gets double digit touchdowns. If Jake Julian can legitimately, you know, do more than iron leg was doing last year when Nordine 
started to give people like, oh, he's made nine practice kicks in a row. Like, come on, he's not, he's no Nick Folk. It's, it's good to know they may have a backup there because Folk is obviously closer to AARP than he is NCAA. Um, <laughs> so I'll go Jake Julian with my final pick, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to spruce up my, my offense needs just a little more dynamics. And he was available at the tail end. Uh, no one has made much mention of him, but he's got a shot to make the team. And he sure as hell does on the Foxborough Fitzies as well. Ty Montgomery, you are Mr. Irrelevant in today's Pats interference, double Pats draft. I love it. Yeah, I, I think uh, one quick note on Ty Montgomery. He hasn't topped 300 offensive yards since 2018, but he has become a player that tends to stick in Foxborough. That's a guy who covers kicks and punts and does it really well. Brandon King's gone. Brandon Bolden's gone. Yep. That's a role I think he could carve out and gives you emergency break class in case of emergency depth there at running back and wide receiver. Um, this is fun, man. This is great. Desperation can be a hell of a drug. And I know a lot of the guys that I picked at the tail end of the kickball draft uh, understand that as well. But I think I think both of our teams have some interesting strengths. There were some sneaky good picks. A couple, like I said, desperation grabs. But that's what's going to happen when you're going intra-squad like this. Yeah, and you know, it's a lesson for us and also the folks at home. You have an actual draft. You're sitting there at the end of April. All the teams have done the research. Panic picks still happen. They happen just here when we took 10 to 15 minutes of prep. Like, <laughs> it's, it's obviously a false equivalence there between the real NFL draft and this draft. But oh, yeah. it's just the idea unexpected things happen. Nick Falk going in the top eight picks had me off kilter. And so it's how do you bounce back? How do you, how do you capitalize on what you think is an opportunity or just do you stick with your board or you, you jump away from it? Everyone who plays fantasy football knows you always go into one or two drafts, whether it's auction style, snake, et cetera, with that guy, you've got to have, you're going to overpay. You're going to overdraft at least two, if not four rounds early. A lot of times it used to be whenever there was a Pats fan in your league, you took Gronk far too soon, or you were the guy that began the run on quarterbacks because you had to have Brady. Nick Folk was my gotta have him guy. Uh, I wouldn't have been able to live with myself if he was on the Calipats. Ooh, now see, you give me credit for Pats interference, and I just overlook Calipats <laughs> for the team. <laughs> you know what? You might have another pick here, and I'm not going to go back and make um, a big stink about this because this is an extra pick. Uh, and at the end of a fake draft where these teams are never going to line up and play. Mm-hmm. I have 27. The goal is to get to 28. I don't think we need to get to that round number just for the sake of what we said at the beginning. But if you want to take an extra player here, you can if you want. Because we're what we're going to do is post these teams on Twitter and blow a poll for everyone who listens to the pod or otherwise can just look at that tweet and decide whose team they like better. And so I have 27 players. Do you have a couple in mind that you're going to bat around and buy me some time here as I count up and make sure I didn't royally screw this up? If you're a 26, it's not a huge error because you should have ended with the last pick. Yep. And having had the first one in a snake format. Uh, I mean, it would probably be between Sam Roberts, Will Sherman, and Sean Wade. So something in that like cornerback depth, Sean Wade could emerge. They got a lot of slot guys. Will Sherman, he may not even make the team, but they do need tackle depth. And Sam Roberts, hell of a hell of a defensive edge at the D2 level. And even though I took Ronnie Perkins and Josh Uche is also auditioning for that spot opposite Matt Judon, maybe Sam Roberts becomes like the sneaky camp guy. Who knows? Um, good news. You have one extra player. I, I, <laughs> I, oh, I do. Year, I have an extra. It, it sounds like I made a year three leap in high school and then plateaued the way I've been <laughs> able to count as you've just been talking and that's been able to distract me. So that's fine. The guest yeah, take one Wade, extra- Wade Roberts, take between one of them. Uh, you want another corner? You want another defensive lineman? Go for it. 
I'll take Byron Cowher. Or we could wave, right. we could wave someone. You know, <laughs> this is welcome to cut down day. Uh, all right, so you go Byron Cowher. Yeah, I'll take I'll take Byron Cowher, and I will double check this again, just for the people who are watching on YouTube. You know, if you, I can't read my own writing, Fitzy, you right. cannot. This is this is most that look that looks like that looks like exactly the type of something I expect I expect Bill Belichick to bring out to the sidelines as opposed to smashing tablets. Calipats and the Foxborough Fitzies game and good to go. Um, yeah. Oh, man, I wish I could see these two guys play like this would be fun if you and I actually get to do this because they have that uh, in-stadium intra-squad scrimmage they do every August. Last year, I actually got to be the in-stadium announcer for it, which was really fun. I kept that was probably the cleanest broadcast I ever had in my entire life. I had Burge over my shoulder, like mm-hmm, mm-hmm, that, that somehow mm-hmm. sounds very fitting, uh, ultimately familiar. But I got a nice job and an attaboy and a fist bump at the end of it. So, as you should, uh, as you should. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, it was, uh, it, was a, it was a great time. The fa- it was the first time the fans were back, too. And I'm just glad the preseason existed, if for no other reason than to bring the fans back in full force and also just like. One of the things I'm I'm always going to be here for as the biggest Tom Brady fan, New England Patriots edition. I hate having to share him with our mutant cousins down in Tampa and that that's part of his legacy now. Never should have left. Should have gotten the Drew Brees fairly well victory lap contract. But that being said, I'm just glad fans got to give a little love to Cam Newton because mm. on the list of underrated, overlooked, or uh, unnecessarily criticized Patriots, no one says he was a good foot thrower of the football. No one says he's really a great quarterback, Andrew. But like... What that guy did being willing to come in and I know it was his only offer still, but like take all the pressure, be the quarterback in the pandemic and be the guy that followed the goat. And then, you know, still be, give them like a competitive whiff of the playoffs on that barren uh, supply chain grocery store shelf. That was the Patriots 2020 roster. I appreciate that. Yeah. I, I think that's, uh, it's fair for Cam Newton, you know, yeah. like it, all the crap, all the pressure, little mm-hmm. time and did, and did what he could. And it wasn't enough. I mean, that roster was not enough and that was, Oh, it was not conveyed was to everyone tough. else was we will never be in this position again, because it was a seven to nine team that without two 50 yard game winning field goals mm-hmm. as time expires over the jets and mm-hmm. over the Cardinals. Yes. Mm-hmm. Your boy, Nick Falk, uh, they're five and 11. And you know what? Yeah. They could have swung the other way, of course. You know, Cam Newton finished his run at Buffalo in week six, but here we are talking about the worst season in Patriots history. But in reality, we have the best fake scrimmage ahead of us that maybe we can play out in Madden sometime. But until then, four downs. We're going to wrap this up. Uh, four non-sequiturs, non-football stuff uh, for you separate from that. We'll start with – we'll start more Patriot-oriented. You have given Bill Belichick some truth serum. You get two questions in five minutes to ask him. Anything you want to know. You have some obvious candidates. What happened to Malcolm Butler in the Super Bowl? What happened with Tom Brady at the end? But you get to ask him any two questions you want. What are those questions? I think I already know what happened with Malcolm Butler, and that doesn't bother me to the degree it does a lot of Patriots fans because there were so many flaws in the Patriots game plan in the first place that I I don't think that I don't think I I don't need to know or get the definitive answer to that. Number one would be, why did you think you needed to move on from Brady at the time that you did? Or why didn't you give Brady who you showed a lot of tough love to. And early on you realized as Belichick does treat everyone differently and isn't the same incorrigible blank hole to everyone else that most people on the outside of Patriots nation think he is. 
He obviously figured out early on in his career, hey, by being a jackass to this guy and by constantly, even though I would all, he would always say no other quarterback he would rather have than Tom Brady, by busting his chops and never giving him as much credit as we think he probably should have, that sort of riled up the pick 199 syndrome in Tom Brady and always motivated him to do better until he won Super Bowl 51. Things changed. Insert Guerrero. And why, Bill, why didn't you think that he was worth um, – why don't you think that he was worth that final Drew Brees contract that the rest of us would have liked to have seen? Because he never should have played in another uniform. And the other question I have is how much do you think you like, even though he famously told Robert Kraft that he didn't get that much and he was called a schmuck for it with Spygate. Why did you feel like you needed to keep doing it? Even though you were told time and again, not to do it because not only did you make life more difficult for yourself, but you know, like if everyone was okay with all of us being Pats fans, Andrew, until Spygate. And from that point on during the perfect season, well, you know what? No, why didn't you, why did, why did you try to kick the field? Why did you go for it on fourth and 13 in Super Bowl 42? That's the question. Why did you throw that, have Brady throw that oh, bomb wow. to Jabbar Gaffney? Why didn't, why didn't you try the field goal? That's, that's a weird, like, there shouldn't be any Super Bowl deep cuts. But to be honest, until you had mentioned that, I completely forgot yeah, about that. I stretch. hate that thing. I always wonder, like, was fourth and 13 from, like, the 34, so it would have been, or the 32. I think it would have been, like, a 47 or 49-yarder for Guskowski. I know he was no Adam Vinatieri at the time especially, but with all the pressure they were getting with the NASCAR formation on Brady and the borderline biblical beating he had taken to that point, take a little pressure off him and give the kid a chance to bang one through and put points on the board, which were at a premium in the ultimate game. All right, let's bring everybody up. That's clearly a take you have solidified and sat for a while. Give me a take Patriots or non Patriots that you have not really fully formed yet. Like you, you felt this, you're not ready to unveil it. You're kind of workshopping it. Some sort of take you put out there on Twitter and it would get some blowback now, but you want to be, you want to be like entrenched before that kind of comes your way. The Patriots offense will be much better than everyone is prepared for in 2022. See, that came out of your mouth so quickly and so easily. Bill. I'm, that I'm like so in you, for it. You, I am. You, I am. I am Steve Buscemi in uh, Billy Madison with, you know, like laying back on yes. the sofa, getting the call from Billy Madison, apologizing for the way that he talked to him and treated him. He's like, yeah, OK, yeah, great. Thanks a lot. And then he turns to the wall and scratches off Billy Madison's name as if these are people he needs to get revenge for. Well, I'm going the opposite way. I am currently forming my list of everyone who is saying that the judge, Patricia, Belichick, Kaylee, whomever, offensive think tank and sideline scoring football patrol is going to be a complete disaster. Okay, Orlovsky, fine, cowherd. Everyone else that says Belichick has lost it, that the Patriots won't be able to score, that they're going to be a mess. There's going to be no coordination or cohesion to this offense. I'm going to be Jones on that list regress. at Fine. some point. So uh, below those guys, but I make uh, sure my okay. name's on there. We can't get along for everything, Andrew. Yeah. All right. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning, you've done TV, radio, a bunch of different things. What's uh, what's more satisfying for you in terms of those two mediums, TV, radio, and why? Uh, TV, for sure. Um, and I enjoy radio. Uh, I went to film school. I was a film and television production major but it was a teacher in an audio class that I had to take who stopped me at one point and said, hey, had you ever considered radio? You have a nice voice. I think uh, whatever it is you may want to ultimately talk about, radio is something you should consider. And I found my way in and out of it a number of times. I worked at K-Rock in New York, uh, Howard Stern's old station. I worked for ESPN Radio, WAF, WEEI. I love it. 
I really love a chance to talk to, to talk to people, but, uh, and two way sports talk conversation is, you know, something I, I, it's white noise. I still fall asleep to it at night sometimes. Um, but TV, TV in the field is my favorite. My favorite show I ever worked on was called tailgate fan for CBS sports network. And with a crew of two, me and my brother, we invaded college towns across the country and we spent the entire weekend partying with them. So you could watch an episode and or you, you guys. know, what a, yeah, what I know a, it was terrible. I know the sacrifice was the least we could do. I know <laughs> I, on the shoestring budget that we had and what I probably did to my liver yeah. uh, and my, <laughs> a lot of Devin McCourty's throwing those back or oh, Kobe Myers, buddy. you know, going down, but you could watch an episode and you would know, like, this is what I need to eat at Clemson. These are the people I need to party with. These are the chants, the cheers, the traditions. It was a freaking blast because as a sports fan, I, I, that's what I, I, when I can sort of like blur that line and be like, is this guy a professional? Is this guy still a fan or is he a combination they're in? That's the gray area. I love to live most. Yeah, that's great. All right. Last one. At some point along the road, you adopted Fitzy. Your name is mm-hmm. Nick Stevens. Where, where did Fitzy come from? Uh, when I was uh, early on in my twenties, post-grad in New York city, I was doing some improv comedy, took classes at upright citizens brigade, did a little stand up. Eh, wasn't very comfortable with it. And I, because I had done some sketch comedy, was a big Saturday Night Live fan. Uh, at the time, the Boston sports scene was starting to turn. It was early turn of the century. Brady was there. Uh, you had Manny. It was pre-Poppy, et cetera. Uh, Paul Pierce was involved. And so I came up with this idea, like, what if I start doing stand-up on stage as America is falling in love with the wicked Pissa accent, Damon and Affleck are national entertainment darlings, what if I do stand up, but everywhere I go, I'm just that guy. I'm that mass hole. I'm the, the guy who sits behind you hammered in right field at a Red Sox game. And most of the things he says are wildly inappropriate, super caustic. But every now and again, you're like, oh, you know, I had never really thought of that. That's actually pretty sharp. Good for you, guy. Oh, man, you smell. Uh, so Fitz, I, it had to be Sully Murph or Fitzy. Right. Uh, because, you know, you can't yell any of those names in a Boston bar without hearing. What do you want? Yeah, right here. So um, that's what I picked. And I first used to do movie reviews before I got into uh, sports analysis. All right. So you should have really an unspoken rivalry with the guy who is now using that 20 years later in the Sam Adams commercial. Like your cousin from Boston, way too wordy anyway. Like F off, cuz, right. you know, like Fitz, Fitzy's been at this two decades now. I know. If I'm going to borrow his jingle. You owe it to Fitzy. Yeah, I know exactly. Like, uh, hey, Sam, how about some royalties? And by the way, if you want to pay those royalties one time or in perpetuity, uh, some deliveries of uh, Wicked Easy, uh, Boston Lager Original, fine by me. Fine by me. Cool. All right, I lied. We got two quick mailbag questions if you got a second. Go. Let's do it. I'm always got time, man. Okay. Uh, This is on Twitter from Pat's STH1969. Nice. Um, he wants to know what will have a bigger effect on the offense. Jonu Smith doubling as a tight end and perhaps H-back role. I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of H-back. Or Tyquan Thornton's long speed finally forcing defensive coordinators to commit to the deep part of the field. I want it to be the latter, but it's probably going to be the former. Just because they're going to try so hard again. Like they tried way too hard. And I know a little something or other about tryhardism, but uh, they tried way too hard to get John Smith involved in space on the sweeps and always trying to get him in motion and use his athleticism to their advantage. And it just kind of blew up on him for a multitude of reasons. I'd love to tell you that Taekwon Thornton is just going to explode, stretch the field and 
give defensive coordinators pause, Andrew, to say like, hey, Wimby, we have to start playing two safeties deep or backing up on the Patriots as well. Nelson Aguilar may do more of that as well because he's going to need a role and he's still pretty damn fast. So probably too early to say Tyquan Thornton will do it. I'm just going to default to John o. Smith because there's no third option. Yeah, and I think Nelson Aguilar is ahead of Tyquan Thornton as much as people don't want to hear that in that respect. Like th- this is a guy, and I've said this ad nauseum, I've begun this stat ad nauseum. He had the worst luck on deep balls last year in terms of Mac Jones throwing deep. He saw the lowest rate of catchable balls from Mac Jones of any receiver on passes that went 20 yards downfield. That's Nelson Aguilar's wheelhouse. If he's not getting passes right. that are within his catch radius, he's that far downfield. Like there, there's no use for him really in this offense. So I think he'll naturally progress like Johnny Smith, who I think for this question goes, uh, is probably my answer. Do, do you see a huge effect in either instance if Nelson Aguilar or Tyquan Thornton you know, goes downfield and stretches the field. No, I don't, I don't think so. But I think just having a second reliable tight end is going to have a, a larger ripple effect than either one of those wide receivers. He, he's not, he, he won't be Gesicki and there'll be no comparisons to Ertz, but he'll be better than Njoku this season. Yeah, I think that's fair. And that's who he was before, yep. before he got here. Exactly. Last one, Jake from Twitter says, uh, I've heard Belichick say in interviews, quote, players win football games, coaches lose them. If that has always been his modus operandi, should we have more or less faith in this jumbled coaching staff? It's time to put Jake on your list, I think, as well, with all the national pundits. Um, it seems like it could go both ways so long as the players execute. Uh, I'll just say this. I, I think Belichick believes that down to his core because players are on the field playing the game. The, na- the name of what they do is, is play. They are players. But it's also his way of absorbing all of the blame when things go wrong publicly and giving all the credit to players when things go right, which is just pure 101 for them. So there's he believes it. But when he says it publicly, it's nothing more than what you hear from him anyway. It's just the shortest version of it's my fault when we lose. We have to get better when we win. Don't look at me. It's all to the players. Which is good parenting, basically, if you know, <laughs> like you like if your kids do something before they're of a certain age where they should take responsibility for their actions it is your fault and then if they do something awesome like oh you must have coached them up you taught them that no i want i want credit to go where credit is due and that would go to my kid as far as the patriots this season yeah this sort of weird confluence of coaches that they're assembling on both sides of the ball uh and coming off a season where they made an uncharacteristic amount of mistakes with false starts multiple penalties blocking assignments obviously three block punts etc etc I think those things are going to get cleaned up because you've got more experienced professional football minds in the room. And as far as what the Patriots have for talent, Callahan, look, the Patriots, there are a lot of sneaky, great deep dive stats as to why the Patriots were so good for so long. Obviously the ultimate one who is not the Patriot way himself, but Tom Brady, he was flex seal. He fixed everything. He was the greatest at all time in his position. You'll never see another like him on our team or any of the other 31 teams or even beyond when they expand in the NFL, but the Patriots didn't turn the ball over. They didn't get penalties. And above all, they always had a strong middle class. And what I see on this roster right now with what they spent last year, who they've taken the last couple of years, and some of these value adds, some of these uh, Wendy's $5, like five nuggets, chicken sandwich, frosty, and a small fry kind of free agent signings and odfas that they've picked up. They're going to be a very strong middle class. They're going to have like, depth, redundancy, and adequate strength at a lot of spots. So while other teams may have great receivers and like a dynamite pass rush, they may not have a great secondary. They might not have good linebackers. There could be holes on their offensive line. The Patriots should be pretty smooth, even, and consistent. 
I think, along all planes of the roster. And that's what's going to keep them in games. That's why I think they're going to be a 9-8 and eight or 10-7 and seven team that's a tough out each and every week, doesn't get to the promised land, but gives you a reason not to miss all the games. Look, it's peak offseason because we're doing a draft for an imaginary scrimmage here in early June. But you, my friend, are in midseason form. Well said. I think that's a sentiment that will expand and extend well into training camp of the preseason until, again, we get that 100-degree hard reality of what it's going to be like in Miami in week one. But, you know, people want to lament about the schedule or things like that. You know, even if the Dolphins win, their next stretch includes Buffalo. Um, they go play Baltimore. And I want to say they play the Steelers and maybe even a better team. So, look. It's going to be a hard season. It's going to be a long one. That goes for everyone, particularly AFC East, and I'm ready to get started, but not after we have this schedule. So I'll tweet this out, or schedule, these rosters. Um, So I'll tweet this out. Please vote on Twitter. Please rate, review, Apple, Spotify, wherever you can. This has been a lot of fun to start this podcast. We're going to have Fitzy back. Uh, Any last thoughts on our draft before we get you out of here? No, man. It was an absolute blast. What a great way to go about a podcast because – There's only so many ways you can skin the proverbial cat or talk football, especially at this time of year as well. Um, And also you were a sweetheart to me and giving me some offensive, uh, some some training and love. So next double dry hop, double IPA is on me. All right. Best of luck with the pod. I'm getting a 2023 third round pick for that kindness this year. This is like the draft they did with the Panthers. Okay. So we're going to have you back in 12 months. We'll do this again, but I'm going to, I'm going to count correctly by then. And I will have 29 players here, 27. And yours is the name that I'm happiest to have on that wall. And I can't wait to victory (laughs) lap around you. Excellent. Appreciate it, Fitzy. All right, buddy. Thanks.